This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. A new study is out showing that most Canadians believe millennials are worse off than any other generation. Author and Zoomer Media VP David Kravitz will join us to talk about that. And a University of Toronto doctor of kinesiology has won an award for research on the benefits of exercise for cancer patients. We'll chat with Dr. Catherine Sabiston about her work. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Gary Marshall died this week of complications from pneumonia following a stroke. He was 81. Marshall's hits included TV's Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and Mork and Mindy. He directed 18 films, including big screen hits like Beaches, Overboard, Runaway Bride, Valentine's Day, and Pretty Woman, which made Julia Roberts a star and gave Richard Gere his first hit in years. Gary Marshall is survived by his wife of 53 years, Barbara, and leaves behind his two sisters, including actress-director Penny Marshall, three children, and six grandchildren. Actress Sigourney Weaver has been named this year's recipient of the Jane Alexander Global Wildlife Ambassador Award. The 66-year-old actor portrayed Diane Fossey in the 1988 movie Gorillas in the Mist and is an honorary chairwoman of the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund International. She also starred in Gorillas Revisited for the BBC and Animal Planet in 2005. The award given by the Indianapolis Zoo is named for actress Jane Alexander, who received the inaugural Global Wildlife Ambassador Award in 2012. One group in Mississauga is looking to promote and foster inclusivity in seniors clubs in Peel Region. Heartland Credit View Community and Health Services is asking for recommendations to recognize the most diverse seniors club in the area. A spokesperson says most clubs are based on ethnicity, culture, or country of origin and promote exclusivity, and they're trying to change that. The award will be handed out during the HCCHS Multicultural Festival next month. And speaking of diversity, the Bowmanville Older Adult Association is fostering a sense of inclusivity by teaming up with teens from the Firehouse Youth Center for a game of softball. It's the first of what is expected to be a number of activities involving Zoomers and younger kids in the region as part of a new project called Growing Together, an intergenerational approach. Other projects planned include a theater program, dances, and agricultural outings. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The pollsters at Angus Reid say most people, including a majority of Zoomers, 
believe millennials have it worse than previous generations. The study comes on the heels of a storm created by Martha Stewart, who called millennials lazy and entitled and said they sorely lack the initiative to succeed. To talk about millennials and the challenges they face, we have our own expert on intergenerational relations, Zoomer Media VP of Conferences David Kravitz, who has authored two books, Beyond Age Rage and The New Old. I think that she's right, uh, with obvious exceptions of the high-tech gazillionaires that are developing software, but as a generation, I think that they are less ambitious and less driven to succeed. Uh, some of that may be desirable compared to the boomers who were definitely a type A, the first generation to be called the me generation, acquisitive. The millennials are much more mellow. And the question is, did they make a bit of a fetish out of being mellow and laid back and not caring? Uh, and is that a problem going forward? And I think there's some evidence that it is a problem going forward. Okay. So what is the problem? Each generation has tried to become self-reliant somewhere post-college uh, university, somewhere around the mid-20s to the young 30s. Maybe they went after money. Maybe they went after social causes, um, teaching, things that are not necessarily – you're not going to get rich, but you are self-reliant. And there seems to be uh, the feeling that the millennials are not self-reliant as a generation, are still dependent on their parents past the age – uh, that they should be. What about the argument that they are really coming of age into a very, very tough economy and the jobs, especially good jobs, just aren't out there? I think that's a very valid point, but I think what's worrying people is what happens if what starts out as necessity becomes lifestyle? So how much of it becomes, you know what, it's not so bad being a barista for my whole life. I don't really care that much. I'll go in, I'll put in my time, I'll make some dollars, I'll live more modestly, uh, and that's fine. And I think that's a shock to the older generations to see that that attitude is there, if indeed it's there. And there's some evidence. Uh, is that just saying I'm adaptive, I'm making a virtue, you know, out of the fact that I'm not going to have that classic corporate career? Or is it really just the way I look at the world? And if so, it triggers a lot of economic consequences. Here's something that Martha Stewart said. She said, we're finding out now that they're living with their parents. They don't have the initiative to go out and find a little apartment and grow a tomato plant on the terrace. It's probably, I can't comment, I don't know if I could grow a tomato plant on the terrace, but I think it's probably true. And, you know, there's a lot of skills that, used to be done by even non-handyman, average persons that are lost now. Um, they're not buying cars. They're not driving cars. They're not uh, using a lot of uh, tools and equipment, uh, you know, as a group that previous generations did. And in that same article about Martha Stewart, she enumerated other things that other people wanted her to teach this generation about decorating and sewing and knitting and, you know, fixing up your place that she claimed they don't have any idea of. So a lot of them do live at home with their parents, over 40% according to the last census yes. data in Canada. And according to Pew Research, they are more likely to be living with a parent than at any time since the Great Depression. Correct. And the reason that that matters, again, is it's just sliding everything to later. Because if you're living at home with your parent, 
and let's not even get into attitude or laziness. You're living at home with your parent. You're not forming a new household. You're not getting married and having a kid. The birth rate is plummeting in North America. It's below the replacement level. So where's the consumer population? You're not buying the kind of products you need when you're setting up on your own. So there's a contracting effect of this. And that's why it's worrying, uh, I think, a lot of uh, financial experts. And I think it's certainly a big challenge to marketers. Okay, so they're they're living at home with their parents, but you know, in a place like Toronto, who can afford a house? <laughs> you know. But if you had okay, but it, this is a really great question. So let's say that the norm is you can't afford a house, and the baby boomers. When I was growing up, you could the average price of a house might have been four times the household income of a typical starter couple. Now it's ten, twelve, fifteen times. So right. let's say you can't buy a house. You could still form a new family unit. You could rent. You could have an apartment. You could have a kid or kids. The generation would adapt eventually and say, I've got stuff I want to do. And the big worry, and I think the, the chord that Martha Stewart is strumming here, what if there isn't a lot of stuff they want to do? That's the real worry. Okay, so uh, what do we do with all this? Well, I think that from the point of view of the boomers, it's a very big problem because they're funding a lot of this still. So uh, I don't I, – my kid is – I'm not going to come – my kid's not going to come home and find their clothes on the front lawn and all that and just abandon. The boomers are not doing that because they're very um, careful, maybe spoily. Maybe they're the ones that created the monster in a way. So that that'll stay the same. I think for the – business and marketing community, they're in the middle of this wrenching switchover, and in some sectors uh, they're doing it, in others they're not. And I think the biggest challenge is going to be, uh, you know, the politicians. Uh, how do you cope with radically different expectations? You know, the, the Brexit vote last week was a big, everybody got mad at the older people for voting to leave. Thanks, you've, you've, ruined, our, you've ruined our life and you're not going to be around. Well, the older people are going to be around for 20 more years to, to see the effects. And they didn't really, they weren't really motivated by, I better stay in Europe for the sake of my kids. If they thought we should leave, and I'm not getting into the merits of, you know, stay or leave, but if they thought it was better to leave for themselves, they voted to leave. So the boomers are very goal-driven. The millennials are not. And that clash is going to continue to be quite interesting and challenging. Okay. David Kravitz, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a big award for a Toronto doctor for her work in the field of kinesiology when it comes to treating cancer patients. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. It's another example of how exercise can benefit the human body. Dr. Catherine Sabiston of the University of Toronto is this year's winner of the Canadian Cancer Society's William E. Rawls Award, for her research on the benefits of exercise for cancer patients. Catherine Saviston, thanks for joining us. No problem. What did you find in terms of exercise and cancer? Exercise has um, huge benefits in cancer um, and from other people's research as well. We know that there's 
physical health benefits as well as mental health. And physical activity is actually also associated with um, survival in some cancers as well. Now, I know that a lot of cancer patients, at least in the past, are wary about doing this. They think either it'll tire them out or they don't have the energy. What do you say to those people? When we talk about exercise, it's not, you know, sort of the high-intensity exercise that we most often think about or hear about. It's individuals who are walking, you know, three to five times a week for, um, for an hour or something at a time is, is seeing these benefits. I have to tell you, I have quite a lot of personal experience of this uh, okay. because I had uh, cancer twice, and both times I exercised as much as I could. Yeah. And in both times, uh, at the point because there's the they were all kind of surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation mm-hmm. twice. And usually at the radiation point, you're really fatigued. And um, uh, the second time I had radiation, towards the end, I was kind of fatigued, but not nearly as much as other people. And the first time. I didn't get fatigued at all, even by the time I hit radiation. Yeah, I, I mean, that's your story right there is, is what we try to, to um, get across to people because it, it is completely contrary to what you would think. You would think if you're already tired and you exercise, you're going to have absolutely nothing left. And in fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. Do you have any idea what percentage of, of people exercise through their cancer treatment? The percentages are quite low regardless. So we know that up to 90% of individuals who have cancer are inactive or not active enough to gain any kind of health benefit. And then um, we also know that physical activity levels decrease um, significantly throughout the, the treatment. You mentioned mental health before. So are the main benefits... Uh, with your mental health, I mean, exercise releases endorphins, or are the main benefits with fatigue? The main benefits are, you know, quite systemic. It's it's really a full body, whole body um, benefit of physical activity. So, you know, we see benefits from anything to do with, um, let's say, the more cardiovascular health, the body weight maintenance or weight loss, um, you know, sort of the metabolic. We also see it with um, sexuality. And then we see it with, um, you know, body image and mental health, uh, things like reducing depression levels or um, providing a a sense of competence or self-efficacy for being able to engage in in day-to-day activities is extremely important. So what do you tell people who are having a hard time with this? How do they get started? Do you have recommendations? It's really about starting small. It's about trying to find that activity that you enjoy. Um, you know, ultimately, the best exercise to do is, is the one that you enjoy, because if you don't enjoy a certain type of exercise, you're not really going to continue with it. And, you know, having competitive goals, but not, you know, challenging where the point where you're going to fail. And so oftentimes we see people start and say, okay, you know, I'm going to walk, um, a certain amount this week, and and it says, and I think you know, have you have you ever been able to engage in that level of act- activity? And no, but I'm going to start now. This is my goal, and so it's it's those achievable goals that are critical. And something like exercise, you can do it in such short bouts to gain benefit that it's really important to start small to see those benefits, to feel successful, and then to continue and adding more and more, you know challenging or aspects to it, whether it's increasing the intensity or the duration or the type of exercise that that one's engaging in, are all important. 
Okay, Catherine Sabiston, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the winner of the Canadian Cancer Society's William E. Rawls Award. And the Canadian Cancer Society will be joining me monthly as a trusted contributor on my weekday show, Fight Back with Libby Snymer. You can hear it noon to 1 p.m. Monday to Friday right here on AM 740 or 96.7 FM downtown. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. When we return, one of the founding members of the Eagles, who has quite a solo career as well, is celebrating a birthday. Don Henley turned 69 this week. More on that in a moment. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. For the first time in 50 years, Funny Girl is back in London's West End, featuring some of the most iconic songs in film and theater history. The new production is on stage at the Savoy Theatre. In Madrid, the Prado is presenting the documentary Bosch as part of a wide-ranging program of activities organized in conjunction with the 500th anniversary of the Dutch painter's death. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame drummer for Fleetwood Mac has joined creative forces with the Morrison Hotel Gallery in Hawaii. The union is being marked with an exhibition of Mick Fleetwood's collection of classic album shots for Crosby, Stills & Nash, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, and hundreds of others. And in Singapore, the Asian Civilizations Museum is presenting sacred art and visual splendor, the world's first exhibition on the history and spread of Christian art in Asia. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, we're celebrating the birth of Don Henley. The American singer, songwriter, and drummer is best known for his work with the Eagles, but he also had a very successful solo career. Henley and the late Glenn Fry were playing together in a backup band for singer Linda Ronstadt when they founded the Eagles in 1971, and it didn't take long for the band to skyrocket to the top of the charts. With five number one singles, six Grammy Awards, five American Music Awards, and six number one albums, the group was one of the most successful musical acts of the 1970s. After the Eagles broke up in 1981, Henley embarked on a solo career. He released a string of hits, including The Boys of Summer, All She Wants to Do Is Dance, Sunset Grill, and The End of Innocence. The Eagles reunited in the 1990s, but like many classic rock bands, they existed in a tumultuous on-again, off-again state. Sadly, co-founder Glenn Fry passed away in January of this year. The rest of the group performed a tribute to Glenn at the Grammy Awards in February, and Don Henley has gone on record saying that is likely the last Eagles performance. Right now, we'll travel back to 1972 and hear the group's first charting single, Here Is... Take it easy. That was the Eagles with Take It Easy. Singer, songwriter, and drummer Don Henley turned 69 this week. 
And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Nimer. Produced by Dave Woodard and Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.